Welcome to the podcast of Encounter Ministries, where your past has no future and your hope is reborn. For more information, go to www.godenc.com. For the next few minutes, I'm going to challenge you with this question. What leaven leavens you? One of the things we find out is leaven, another word for leaven is yeast. What does yeast do to bread? It basically puffs it up. What is it that puffs you up? What leaven leavens you? Mark chapter 8, verse 13. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five, five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is power, it is real, it is truth. It brings life and freedom to those that receive it. I thank you for that today. Father, I just declare that this morning we're going to receive your truth. I pray for liberty of spirit and heart and mind to share your heart and your truth with people today. Amen. You may be seated, church. I, I want to... I wanna, remind you something I've said before, where we're headed, where, where I feel like we are, we are headed as a body of believers. I, 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 I believe that we're called to not have church, but to be the church. I, I believe that this, this thing, this relationship we have with God is, is way too big to be contained in these four walls. My, 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 aspiration that that what drives us is this i believe that this thing should just be normal i I believe that christianity ought to be as normal as eating and drinking and breathing to us as human beings listen to me i think that casting out demons ought to be normal i think that healing ought to be normal i think that having joy ought to be normal I think that seeing miracles happen ought to be normal. I understand it's not yet, but 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 that's what normal should look like. I, I think it's normal that we, we should lay hands on a sick person and see them recovered. I, I just think that ought to become normal. We, we have somehow allowed that to become special, done by special people. But I think it ought to be normal. Just as normal as breathing. Jesus said it this way. He said, here's how you're going to know my disciples. They'll cast out demons. 
they'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover their health. They'll, they'll do miracles and they'll do wonders. And I think that what God wants us to do is aspire to the place that for all of us, not regardless of what side of the pulpit we reside on, that all of those things are just normal. That we, we, we can just, by, by the power of God in us, that those things just become normal. That we're not surprised when God heals. We would be surprised if He didn't. That we're not surprised when we see somebody that has a demon in them and it get cast out. We, 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 we're not surprised when somebody gets delivered from a heartache they've carried most of their life. We're, we're not surprised when when something good happens. You see, I, I think that one of the things, there's a verse, and I'm, I'm as guilty as the next guy, that we've quoted this verse, and, and we've created an atmosphere around this verse. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. We say that, and the... And, and aggressive Christians, whatever that term means, think that we got to be violent. And we got to take it by force. I've said that. It wasn't until recently that I'm, that, that, that all of a sudden I, I'm, I'm thinking that verse in my head and I, I realize there's, there's been a great error in our understanding. Because if you go on to, to, to read what happens later, the, the picture becomes clear. But in a nutshell, here's what Jesus is saying. Until now, this is how it used to work. But now, this is how it's going to work. You'll find in Scripture, anytime that Jesus says, now, it means something has just changed. It wasn't before, but it is now. Right now, I'm standing here. Now, before, I was standing there. Jesus is saying, listen, from the days of John the Baptist all the way back, the kingdom of God suffered violence. And the violent took it by force. You look that up in the original Greek, it literally means take without permission. So we've ascribed that to Christians. What are we taking without permission? You take it without permission, it's called stealing. Without shall not steal. Jesus was saying this, from John the Baptist until all the way back, the only way it worked was that the kingdom of God was always under siege and the violent were attempting to take it by force. How many understand that? S Satan couldn't establish his kingdom in heaven because there was already a king. He came to this earth, attempted to establish his kingdom on earth, and Jesus says, from John the Baptist, the greatest man ever been born of a woman, all the way back, the kingdom of heaven has always been under violence, experiencing violence. 
But he says, but now, now what? Now that I'm here, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I wonder, wonder if it would help us if we... I have this image, and you understand my, my mind is slightly twisted. If you don't know that, hang around a little while. You'll find that out. It's just something happened. I don't know what. Uh, you know, I grew up in the era of when microwaves first came out. I don't know. Maybe they didn't have them perfected. And I stood too close too many times. I don't know. But I... But if you get to... Sometimes I, it helps me to have pictures. And, and in my mind, I picture demonic activities as this little Irish guy. You know, with the green hat. You know, he's skinny and he's got those bony arms. How many know what I'm talking about? I, if I'd have thought of it before, I'd have had one on the screen. And he's like this, in a fighting pose. I think Notre Dame's guy is like that, isn't it? Okay, a fighting Irish. If, if we could envision the demonic realm of little demons like that little Irish guy, okay, and he's dancing around you saying, come on, fight me, come on, come on, fight me, come on. I dare you to fight me. I dare you to fight me because he knows that the moment you engage him, you step back into a time when the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. But if you refuse to engage him, then the kingdom of heaven is here. It's like you already have your Super Bowl ring and the loser of the Pee Wee League wants to play you for the ring. No. <laughs> Not going to go there. I've got the ring to prove I already won. And I think that what God wants us to understand something is that, folks, from the John the Baptist all the way back, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And the violent took it by force. But now, kingdom of heaven is at hand. Kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus is saying, because the king is at hand. Wherever the king went, the kingdom went with him. And he's saying that from this point forward, it's all different. You see, we already won. Say that. We already won. We, you wouldn't even convince me and I'm on your side. Let's say it again. We already won. Man, we need to get that down into our spirits. We already won. You see, I, I'm not called to, to preach my reality. I'm called to, to, to preach the truth of God that changes our reality. You, you and I are not called to live out our reality. We're called to live out God's reality in the midst of Satan's lies. And so there's times that, 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 that I'm challenged because when, when God puts on my heart what I'm to share with, with you, I, I, I say, but God, I don't even live up to that. But I'm not here for you to get my reality. I'm not here for you to become like me. 
I want you to get his reality, and I, I want you to become like him. So, so what is leaven? Uh, maybe you cooks in here know what leaven was. I know my wife certainly knows, but basically leaven is, is yeast. Looked it up. The official definition is of, of, of leaven as a noun is two things. Number one, it's a substance, typically yeast, that is added to dough to make it ferment and rise. It puffs up. It, if you, until you add the yeast, the, the bread just sits there. Just but you add yeast and you get it warm, and what does it do? It starts to puff up. What puffs you up? Another thing yeast is, is number two definition, a pervasive influence that modifies something or transforms it. It modifies, it changes, or transforms it. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What, what, is, what is it that puffs up your mind? What is it that the set of ideals that you have that make you make the decisions you make? When, when, you, when you pass by somebody and you can see they're struggling and you want to help, what is it that makes you decide, I'm not going to stop and help them? What is it makes you love your spouse or your family or your fellow church members the way that you do? What, what ideal, what drives you? So in our story, Jesus, I love the story. And if you, if you know what just happened in Mark chapter 8, he has just fed all of those people with a few little loaves and fishes. And the Bible says that immediately he told them to get into a boat. And they get into the boat and, they, and he says to them, be wary of the leaven, of the Pharisees, and of Herod. And they say, we don't have enough bread. And finally, he, he understands their struggle, and he says, you've got to be kidding me. How, how, you, I fed all those thousands. How much bread did you have left over? Five. And I fed those thousands. How much bread did you have left over? And you think I'm worried about bread? Come on, you guys. This isn't about bread. Get your eyes off of the natural and get it into the supernatural. It was never about bread. His warning to them was to be careful of the leaven, the thing that puffs them up, of the Pharisees and of Herod. Well, if we've got to be careful of it, we, we, we like to go out hiking, and um, we, we've, we've taught our, our, our kids not to be afraid of bugs, so our kids aren't afraid of bugs. Now, there are some bugs you've got to be afraid of. We teach them, you know, you don't have to be afraid of snakes, but there are some snakes you've got to be afraid of. And so our kids grew up, they, you know, they weren't afraid of spiders, and they weren't afraid of snakes. And I, I love it when J.J., I think it was either three or four, we heard a garage sale, and in the corner of the garage, he found a big old nasty brown spider. I'm not exaggerating. That thing was big as the palm of his hand. It was that big around. All right? And he scooped that spider up. <laughs> and there was a lady there, and it was her garage sale, and she was sitting in a chair. And he goes up to her, and he said, look what I found in your garage. And he sticks it like six inches from her face. Okay? Well, she starts to panic. She goes, oh! 
And he goes, stop it, you're scaring him. Other than fear of falling and fear of loud noises, every other fear a child gains, they get from us. But we need to know why, why we need to be concerned about the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. What is, what is that leaven he's warning us about? The leaven of Herod is this. It's based on the strength of man. Politics. We can turn this country around if we just get the right man in the White House. The white man in Columbus. The white senator. The white representative. Strength of man. Popular will. I received this prayer request one time from somebody. I know they meant well, but they, were, they didn't understand that what puffed them up was the, 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 the leaven of Herod. They said, Pastor, listen, I've, I've been calling around and getting all the churches to pray. Because so-and-so is sick, and if enough of us are praying, God has to answer. Because he, has, he can't say no to a lot of people. I'm telling you the truth. That was the, that was the whole thought behind it. Persuasion excludes God. They, they often, I've heard preachers quote this scripture, God helps them who help themselves. Really? I know it, it sounds kind of nice, but the problem is that I couldn't help myself. I was drowning in sin. My life was a mess. Help myself? Are you kidding me? If you think God helped you because you helped yourself, you, you don't understand grace yet. You really, really, really don't get it. If you think that you're saved because of part of what you did and, and a whole bunch of what God did, you still don't understand grace. The leaven of Herod is, excludes God. It's God helps them who help themselves. If, if the leaven of Herod was in the boat, then, then the heaven, leaven of Herod would have said, next time, make sure you bring enough bread. Because that's what you got to do. You got to take care of yourself. You just okay. You got to take care of yourself, and 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 next time you won't have this problem if you would just. And the leaven of Herod shows up in our daily lives because we we if we're not careful as Christians, we'll just we'll just profess and act like we know God, but we're no different than our atheist neighbor. Something goes wrong in our life, and we want to run to somebody for help. We got a legal problem, and we want to hire a lawyer. We got a medical problem, we want to hire a doctor. We got a, a mental problem, so we want to get a counselor. I'm not saying anything's wrong with any of them, but but somewhere along the line, God should have been involved. You see what I'm saying? Our first response should be to go to God. That when we see something, we first consult God. Hey, hey, hey. It may be a great job, but did the job come from God? It, they may seem like the perfect husband, 
or the perfect wife, but are they the gift from God that he has for you? Are you with me? When the tragedy hits, is God in the equation? When the child says, I got a sore throat, do we reach for the medicine cabinet? Or do we reach to put our hand on them and pray? Do we love and comfort and pray for one another? They're professing Christians who live exactly like their neighbors who are atheists. They're self-made. I knew an individual. Who it is is irrelevant. I knew them for many years. And they quoted, they claimed to be a Christian. I didn't know they were a Christian until they told me. Knew them for years. I didn't know they were Christian until they said it. I don't know, the, the bad attitude, the drinking, the smoking, the cussing kind of hit it. The nasty, racist attitude in their heart kind of hid their Christianity well. They went to church every Sunday. Kind of like that weirdo that took those three ladies captive in Cleveland. He sat in church every Sunday somewhere. Isn't that nuts? You lock three innocent women up in your home on your way to church. You don't have nobody in your basement, do you? Oh, okay. (laughs) Fell into conviction and you let them out, huh? His instructions were given. That at his funeral, he wants the song played by Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Last four days of his life. Some of the most agonizing four days any human being's ever encountered that I know of. As the emphysema had just, just... crystallized his lungs. He had to deep breathe deeper and deeper just to catch breath and finally got to the place where every breath was like he had just finished a mile run. He struggled and pulled, agonized just to get his next breath. And it wasn't ever quite just enough. And the oxygen and the tubes, none that was enough. And he just agonized for four days for four days day in and day out and he wants the song played I did it my way that's Herod's philosophy yeah I'm a Christian I gotta tell you you wouldn't know Because I just do whatever I want. I live where I want. I drive what I want. I marry who I want. I fellowship with who I want. I give what I want. I just do what I want. Sometimes this gets caught up in the church because I I know churches. They'll sit down and they'll have a one and a five and ten year plan. They'll tell you exactly exactly what they're going to do. 
They never ask God. They think that their job is to do something and somehow impress Him. They think their job is to do something and ask God to bless it. And so they just do whatever they want. Whatever they find in their heart to do, they do it. Nike says, just do it. There's a quote in the Satanic Bible. You know, we got John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. They have a central verse in their Bible. It says this, unto thine own heart be true. And so that's what, that's what the, the yeast or the leaven of Herod says is, just be true to your heart. Just be true to your heart. Ignore what God says. Just be true to your heart. The Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? The Satanic Bible says just be true to it. The Pharisees have 11. It represents the religious. It embraces God in theory, but not in practice. Oh, yeah, pastor, I, I believe that God heals. But when we get sick, we don't pray for him to heal us. Are you with me? I want this thing to get to the place where, where, where our lives line up with that. I think God has for us that we lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Isn't that crazy? I think that's what God has for us. I think what God has for us is that we see somebody troubled by demons and, and, and we can stop for a moment and pray for them and, and speak life into them and their situation changes. I won't embarrass a person. They, they told me a story, but one individual in here started to put into practice what, what we've been sharing. They're, they're, they're still relatively new in their walk with God, but hey, maybe this thing does work. It, it, they're, they're not used to being up in public. They're, they're shy by nature like most of us, and in fact, you know, I, they, they, they're just nervous about praying in public, praying in front of other people. Anybody else here nervous about doing that? And, and, and just, just a few months ago, they were really nervous about that. But I see God just doing such incredible things in their life. And they're out in public this, this last week, and as they're walking through the, I think it was a store, the, a, a lady passes by, and they're kind of pricked in their heart totally out of their nature, but wanting to respond to what God is trying to teach them, they, they, they say, excuse me, ma'am, I need to tell you that God loves you passionately. There's a will for your life. Right there in the store, she starts crying. and said, you don't know what that means to me. You don't know what's been going on in my life right now. You know what they were saying? Hi, I've got a ladder and I'm here to help. That's what they're saying. The leaven of the Pharisees, it's a form of godliness. You know, we look good, we act good while everybody's watching, but there's no power. It's fake, it's put on, it's, it's Sunday religion. It, it really doesn't work. If it really worked, if we really thought it would work, we'd pray for one another. When, when somebody comes up to us and said, man, I've really got a splitting headache, instead of saying, yeah, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. You got any aspirin? You need some aspirin? You got some Tylenol? 
That's what the Herod would say. The, the Pharisee would say, man, I'll be praying for you. But the Christian would say, well, that ain't the will of God. Let's pray for that right now. Let's just go ahead and fix this. Let's pray that his will be done on earth the same as it is in heaven. I don't think they're walking around in heaven with headaches. Let's, let's just pray. I know what the doubter is saying right now. Pastor Rice, do you mean every time you pray for somebody it, it fixes? No, 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 no. But you know what? I find that the more I pray for people, the more they do get fixed. Amen. Amen. And I'm not here to carry out my reality. I'm here to obey him, to carry out his reality. I need you to pray for me. I'm really going through a tough time. I'm depressed. I'm really struggling. The Pharisee would say, you know, God's trying to teach you something in your struggle. The Pharisee was in the boat. The Pharisee would say, I know why you don't have enough bread. God wants you to have more compassion for those people who don't have bread. He wants you to feel their pain. The Pharisee would say, Rabbi, this one that's in bondage, are they in bondage because of their parents' sins or their own sins? Because the Pharisee would say, well, of course they're suffering. Look what they do. They would look at the drug addict and say, well, of course they're suffering. They'd look at the alcoholic and say, well, until he cleans up his act, he's always going to. You see what I'm saying? I just got this weird idea. I don't care why you're drowning. I don't care whether you jumped in, fell in, or were pushed. doesn't matter. You're drowning. I'm here to help. I've got a ladder. I just want to be of help. I just want to reach out. A, a Pharisee would say, well, you're drowning because of your life choices, and if you fix your life choices, then your life will get better. Rabbi, why does he struggle with this problem? Is it because of the sins of his father, his mother, or maybe his own sin? And Jesus said, none of the above. None of the above. Pharisee spirit is pervasive in American church today. They're Christian and word only. Last but not least, Matthew 13, 33. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. So what leaven puffs you up? Leaven of Herod that says, by our might, by our strength, by our will, by our commitment, by our politics, by our leaders, by, we'll do this thing. You know, they think of Tower of Babel. The Pharisee spirit, well, I know it stinks that you got cancer, but God gave you cancer to teach you something. I've heard that said by Christians. Maybe God doesn't want you healed. 
Come here, JJ. I'm going to embarrass you for a minute. Sorry. I'll buy you ice cream later, okay? I'm being facetious, but just come here for a moment. Just, just think about that for just a moment, okay? JJ, I have decided. Think about this for a moment because we say this about God. Buddy, I've decided that what you need is to get cancer. I need you to suffer and suffer and suffer. I want you to call out to me. And even though I can heal you, I'm not going to heal you. Because there's a lesson in all of this. It's okay. Yeah, it's going to kill you eventually. But between now and when it does kill you, it's going to be misery for you. Here it is. Drink the cancer. Can any of you imagine me doing that? If I then, being evil, wouldn't do that to my child, what do you think he would do? I know you're struggling. I know you don't have enough money. I know you're going to lose everything. But I ain't going to help you, man. I want you to learn a lesson. I want you to just be miserable. I'm going to let you be miserable until you learn your lesson. Can you, can you imagine any good parent doing that? Why do we say that about our Heavenly Father? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. I understand. I understand where you're at right now. Somebody say, everybody you prayed for been healed. No, 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 no. I can honestly tell you it's getting better. I'm not going to let the times that it doesn't work and I can't explain it outweigh the times that it does work and I can. God healed. God delivered. God set free. And I think if I allow myself to be leavened with the lump, with the leaven of the kingdom of God, that what God has called me to do was to spread his kingdom everywhere I go. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. We seek first all of these other things. And when we have all those things checked off, and then we go after the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so two times, close with this. He's trying to get these disciples to get it. I would love to write a book about Jesus and disciples on a boat because it never was fun. And so he tells them, get in this boat, go to the other side. He goes up to a mountain to pray. The first time, he got in the boat with them. They started across, he fell asleep in the boat, laying on a pillow. A storm came up. Listen to me for a moment. A storm came up and they thought they were going to die. They were sure he didn't care. It says that. Master, don't you care that we perish? 
They went back and woke him up. The dude's sleeping when he should be working. Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? Now listen, here's where it gets off track. So he stands up and he calms the storm, calms the waves. They lay down like a whip puppy. And that's where we miss it. Because most of us would say, if I came in here this morning and I told you that, that I had an incredible problem in my life and I went to God and he answered the need, I pleaded with him and I begged before him and I fasted before him and he met the need, most of you would say, wow, that's wow. That's how Christianity works. When a problem came, you went to God, and he answered the need. But when Jesus answered their need, he turned to them and said, Oh, you little faith. What? Wait a minute. We had a problem, and we turned to you? What are you talking about? That's what we're supposed to do. They weren't getting it. Next time the boat, Hey, guys, get in the boat, go to the other side. I ain't going with you this time. They get in the boat. They get halfway across the water. Storm comes up. He's on the mountain top. He sees them struggling with the oars. He gets down. He walks on the water. And the Bible says it looks like he's going to pass right by them. If he didn't care when he was in the boat, it's even worse now. He's not even with them. He's just going to go past them. They call out. You know the story. Peter walks on the water. He, he, drown, he nearly drowns. Jesus gets him up. Jesus gets back into the boat. He calms the storm. And he looks at him and again and said, Why did you doubt? Why did you not have any faith? We in the church today would say, Wow. We'd have, this guy would become a traveling evangelist. I walked on the water. I called for him and we saved me. And we would all say, yay, that's great, that's great. But Jesus said, y'all still aren't getting this. This is their third venture that I read to you in Mark 8 in the boat. They think he's concerned because they don't have enough bread. You know what? He, he, he wants us to go beyond just calling on him. He wants us to get to the place where we just trust him. where we just trust him. That, that we, don't, we don't put our tithes in the offering plate, hoping and praying, seeking God to meet our financial need, because then it's kind of grudging. What if it doesn't work, you know? <laughs> Should I put it? Should I not put it in? But to get to the place where I know that my tithe is the reason I'm blessed financially. So with joy. That's why he, he doesn't love a giver. He loves a joyful giver. Why? Because that person knows. <laughs> Boom. There. It's taken care of. My financial worries are over. It's not, a, oh, I don't know if I can afford this, but I guess I'll trust him. Maybe. But they just, boom, oh, I'm, I'm taken care of because he said it'd be all right. I'm just living that way. And I'm walking through Walmart, and he brings my attention to this young man who's struggling with something, and I'm not afraid to go to him now because I just heard from the Father. Hey, man, I, I know you don't know me. But listen, I, I, 
I was just walking by and I felt like the Lord put this on my heart for you. And then I share it with him. And I fully expect that word to have an effect. To us, that seems abnormal. That's normal, normal Christianity. I want to get to the place in my own walk with God that when I see somebody sick, I'm not afraid to just say, let me pray for you. What can happen? We're like tourists. Probably never see those people again anyhow. What could happen? I could meet that stranger on Walmart, pray for them. They think I'm dumb. They walk away, find out they got healed. Say, but pastor, they don't know who you are. It doesn't matter who I am. Don't you get this? It's not my kingdom. Now they're healed. And they go, hey, hey, i got to go to church somewhere. Go to the church and said, the weirdest thing happened. I was at Walmart and this guy said he had a ladder. And he prayed for me. And my test come back clear and the, the cancer's gone. God touched me. If I'm concerned about the church, I give him a card. <laughs> we meet Sundays at 11. Or, or if I'm concerned about the kingdom, I'll just pray. Are you with me? And when somebody shares a need, I'll just write there. No more of this closet Christianity. So I sat in Bob Evans a number of years ago before I understood what I'm sharing with you now. And I missed a great opportunity. But handle it different this time around. This gentleman had been coming. He reminded me, Bill, reminded me a lot of you. Very intelligent. Very intelligent. Very analytical. Very straightforward kind of guy. Unlike Bill, he didn't have a relationship with God. He was, he was a, a seeker. After a good season of coming to church, he invited me to go out to Bob Evans for breakfast one day. We sat in Bob Evans for probably an hour and a half, and he asked me questions, and I, I did my best to share the Word of God with him. And This man who had never shown any emotion up to this point, I, now I see the Spirit of God just settling on him. He's ready. He says, what do I do? got to do to get saved? I said, you just gotta, man, you just got just to gotta repent of your sins. just got to tell God, I'm sorry I've been living my own life. And I want you to come into my life and forgive me and, and commit to just follow him. That's all. He said, all right, let's do that. I said, okay. I said, let's get the check and we'll go. You know, the church is just around the corner. We'll go to the church. No, let's do that right now. Said, right now where? It's right here. And he's getting earnest, and I can see tears rolling up his eyes, and I go, oh, no, we can't. You're not allowed to do this in public, I don't think. I'm not sure, but I didn't think so then. I said, okay. He said, what do I pray? There's people around. This is Bob Evans. They know me. I said, okay, just, just, just repeat after me. Bow your head and repeat after me. And I say, dear Lord. And he goes, dear Lord, honest to God. I said, not so loud. Not so loud. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. You're, don't. You know what I should have done? Next time I'll, I'll let him pray out loud. Right there in that seat, we'll rejoice together. Because probably somewhere there was in that room somebody else who needed something my unwillingness to be embarrassed 
maybe rob somebody. Because you never, ever know. So I sat in another restaurant booth a couple of years later. And I'm gauging this individual for God. And they're resisting everything I say. It's a verbal argument. and I mean, it's just back and forth. And I'm not arguing. I'm just sharing the truth of God. And they're arguing back. And, and it was like a battle. And finally, about an hour and a half later, they excused themselves for a moment to go to the restroom. God, I'm not getting anywhere. I feel like I've just wasted the last hour and a half of my life. I don't, I don't, even, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm wore out. I'm beat up. And as I'm praying this, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. And I look up, and there's a lady there. She's late 50s, early 60s. And she says, listen, I've sat back there for the last hour listening to you. She said, I, I used to have a relationship with God. And I walked away. And she said, even though they kept saying no, I want you to know I prayed today. And Sunday I'll be going back to church. You never know what will happen if you let the kingdom of God invade wherever you're at. Because Jesus said for the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. It's right there. So if it's at hand, take that hand and lay hands on somebody and pray for them. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. For more information, go to www.godenc.com.